And with Thank that, you. we will go on to our next monitoring item, our last monitoring item of the evening, and it is the Capital Improvement Plan Framework. Dr. Murphy. Yes, uh, thank you. And while Mr. Ruiz makes his way to the podium, uh, let me provide a little bit of background here and where we are with our uh, Capital Improvement Plan. Uh, this evening, Mr. Ruiz is going to provide a framework, uh, and that's what it is, kind of a guiding document as far as how we move forward with our Capital Improvement Plan. We do have a work session that is slated for next Tuesday. And then uh, at the next board meeting, we will be bringing back uh, the proposed capital improvement plan by the superintendent and staff. I do want to make note that Ms. Uh, Lisa Stengel is here also uh, as part of planning and evaluation. And uh, she will be uh, supporting Mr. Ruiz as he brings forward the information that he's going to share with you this evening. I do want to make aware that we have been very, very busy this year. So uh, I know while we are wrapping up the budget and moving into the, the CIP, we are going to be pushing out a, a wealth of information through Engage uh, to make folks aware of some of the thinking and the guidance uh, that the board has provided. Coupled with that, uh, we are going to be bringing the financial pieces on Tuesday evening to begin to look at what funding will be available for what the, the projects are. This is a 10-year CIP, uh, but we are very carefully looking at uh, what we had in the CIP previously and then also um, how that is going to be fitting with the funds that we have available. So there is a lot more work that needs to be done. I recognize that and take uh, responsibility for that. Please bear with us as we continue to push much of this information out and give people time to be able to digest that and then also the engagement processes that we'll be bringing as we move through the various work sessions and then the board adopting their CIP in June. So with that as a little bit of a backdrop, Mr. Ruiz, I'll turn to you at this point. Thank you. Uh, as Dr. Murphy said, tonight I'll be presenting on the framework update for the capital improvement plan, the fiscal year 2019 to 28. Um, this presentation is currently available on the Engage website at that URL on the, on the slide. Um, the website includes information on the CIP background, information on who is impacted, a timeline for the process with links to the presentations and even video uh, presentations um, associated with, with each of those dates. Um, our engagement strategy with dates and reference material of prior CIP pro, uh, documents. Uh, tonight I'll cover um, the CIP process summary, context of enrollment growth uh, relevant to the CIP, the superintendent CIP framework, and an updated CIP timeline. So with every 10-year capital improvement plan, um, w w some of the key features of them is an assessment of impacts of, of projected student enrollment and how that impacts APS facilities. Um, so with managing growth, uh, uh, the CIP takes into account cap potential capital projects and the timing for those projects to manage that growth. Um, and all of that is mediated with um, financial constraints. As Dr. Murphy mentioned at the work session next week, some of those financial cons constraint data points, uh, we'll start discussing those and seeing those uh, in the form of a preliminary bonding capacity and estimated cost for capital projects. So 
for background and uh, reference, uh, a CIP is primarily concerned with capital options to manage that growth. Uh, so capital options are the permanent additions to APS facilities and infrastructure. Um, the, the key takeaway of this slide is it's funded by the general obligation fund, bonds. Um, examples of this would be new schools, additions to existing schools, or certain minor construction major maintenance projects. This is differentiated from non-capital options, which a CIP considers but, it not, but it's not primarily concerned with. Um, these would include options that increase the capacity of school buildings uh, by optimizing the use of existing space. Um, the thing to note with the non-capital options is they are uh, funded through the operating budget as opposed to the, the bonds. Examples of these would be inc increasing class size, uh, adjustments to class schedules, or the use of relocatable classrooms to manage growth. So as, as I've repeated a couple times in terms of the CIP and managing growth, um, the next three slides will show the enrollment growth that we're projecting for APS at the elementary, middle, and high school levels. Um, and just uh, um, emphasizing the need for those capital projects and, and options. Uh, so at the elementary school level, we're projecting that between 2017 and 2027, enrollment growth will grow by around 13% or 1,900 students. In that same time period at the middle school level, enrollment growth is likely to grow by 22% or around 1,200 students. Uh, greater still, at the high school level, it's, uh, we're projecting that enrollment growth will grow by 37% or 2,500 students. And one thing to note about this slide is, I'm not sure if in your packets there might be um, a slide referring to elementary school numbers instead of high school, so just, um, just noting that. So this slide summarizes um, a comparison of enrollment growth relative to available seats by different school years between 2020 and 2027. Uh, the numbers in red represent instances where uh, projected uh, student enrollment is greater than estimated seats at those point in times. Uh, the figures in the dark font are the inverse. They're instances where we're projecting um, that uh, there will be more seats than students. Uh, so APS staff worked with FAC to discern periods of times where that seats to enrolled student differences is manageable through non-capital option, uh, through non-capital options such as relocatable classrooms. For example, from the 2020 to the 2024 period, um, FAC and APS staff observed that, this, that those uh, seat differences could be dealt with with relocatable classrooms, for example. But once we get to that period of 2025-26 school year and the 26-27 school year, then it starts, that difference starts becoming uncomfortable, um, especially if it's concentrated in a particular portion of the county or at a particular school. And so that's the time period where we assess where the 725 elementary school seats from the prior CIP, that's when the, the necessity would be for those seats in that uh, two, two years uh, time span. 
at the middle school level, um, same uh, basic idea. So in the 2020, 21 school year, 21, 22 school year, that seat, that difference between seats and, in, and projected students, that's manageable. But once you get to that 2022 period to 2024 uh, school year period, that's when it's, again, it starts becoming uncomfortable and that's when there was the assessment that um, at that time period to relieve some of that stress in terms of enrollment growth relative to available seats, um, there, there is a need for around 300 to 400 middle school seats. Um, at the high school level, assuming that the Ed Center uh, get 600 high school seats, and once you do that, we, there's actually more seats, at least for one school year, than students. Um, by 2023-24 through 25-26 school year, that's, again, when we noted that's the period of time when we should consider those 800 plus seats at the career center when the, the need is more, most acute. So that's context for some of our thinking for the, the CIP framework. Um, so for the superintendent's CIP framework, all the projects that uh, we'll be uh, proposing, at least scenarios for projects, uh, for all those pro projects, APS will identify the scope of the projects, the cost, the construction timeline, the financial figures, unlisted scenarios, and again, you'll see that at the work session next week. So for high school capital projects, uh, the superintendent CIP framework proposes that at Arlington Tech that we proceed with additional seats by the fall of 2019 per the last CIP from two years ago. Um, and that we consider options for the Ed Center up to 600 seats um, with permanent high school seats and or adaptable seats that could uh, function as swing space in the future. At the Career Center site, uh, we propose 800 or more seats. At the middle school, for the middle school capital projects, uh, we're proposing that we, that we consider um, options to address projected growth through a combination of additions at existing middle schools or building a new middle school or, swing, or using the Ed Center as sw for swing use after the fall of 2023. So for the building the new middle school or additions, those locations are yet to be determined. For elementary school capital projects, uh, we're proposing that um, we proceed with the REIT site and um, do some refresh to the Drew model and Henry schools by the fall of 2019. And consider a new elementary school with the 750 seats at a location to be determined. So in terms of the CIP timeline, this timeline hasn't changed since what you saw last week, uh, except that as we know, you know, the April 17th meeting occurred and the one today is occurring. Uh, we are providing an additional timeline for the work sessions with more information on what's to happen on the work sessions. Uh, the one that uh, I'm, I'm sure you're all primarily interested in is the one next week where as I mentioned, um, there'll be uh, figures for the prelimin preliminary bonding capacity 
the final estimated cost for, for capital projects. But in addition to that, uh, we'll provide a further CIP overview. Um, we'll also um, give an overview of projected student enrollment growth and estimated facility needs, um, as well as CIP, uh, CIP question process uh, and agendas and topics for future work sessions. So are there any questions? <laughs>